the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. Pastor Keith said we should carry out every command of the government, no matter what that command is. I didn't say that. They tried that in Germany. They tried it in East Germany under socialism. Didn't work that too well. The premier, Eric Honecker, had to go flee to Russia to escape arrest after the wall came down. But you have to think about what you believe and what the Word of God says. And if you choose to break the law, if you do the crime, you're going to do time. Do not whine or complain about it. I can see the promised land Though there's pain within the plan There is victory in the end Your love is my battle cry Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor of Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are so grateful that you've joined us today for the broadcast, and as we always do, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's broadcast, Pastor Keith continues with his study through the Book of Romans with a series of messages he's entitled, Changed Relationships with God. So if you have your Bibles... Please turn with us today to the book of Romans, chapter 13. Now, here's Pastor Keith with today's study. Under the worst of circumstances, you cannot forget this, you have to remember this. In Matthew 5, 45 through 46, it talks about this. You have heard that it was said, you love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. We're supposed to be praying for and loving on everybody insofar as it depends on us. We're to be at peace with all men. And if we're just praying for the people we like, that's not a good thing. Furthermore, when it talks about here that he causes the rain to fall on the good and evil, the sun to rise on the just and the unjust, that's common grace. That even in bad places, good things happen. God raises up circumstances, institutions, and situations to bless his people despite how bad the institution or the governor or the emperor or Nero was or is. He makes governments protect the good and the evil just like rain falls on the the good. He has murderers executed even in Cuba. He jails rapists even in communist China. He builds roads even in the former Soviet Union and Russia. There are hospitals and universities in just about every country, even Iran. We, we use LASIK today for our eyes, right? I'm not going to ask you how many of you had LASIK done, 
But before there was LASIK, there was something called a radiokaryotomy. That was discovered under the communists in Russia and the old USSR. And that technique was perfected despite how corrupt and genocidal that regime was. And it has benefited the whole world. Now, hear me. Here's what I'm not saying. Don't leave here and say, well, Pastor Keith said, no matter, you know, do whatever the government tells you, no matter what it is. I didn't say that. Didn't hear me say that. I'm not saying be a good Nazi. We were only following orders. I'm not saying that at all. We will get to that. What I am saying is think before you react. Think, look before you leap when it comes to dealing with the government, when it comes to obeying the laws of the country, when it comes to paying taxes, when it comes to doing whatever you want to do. Christianity, as we talked about last week, is a thoughtful, rational, thinking religion. It's not a ritualistic chanting prayers and languages you don't even know, doing empty and dead rituals day in and day out, week in and week out. Christianity is different. It is a relationship with the one, the true, the only, and the all-wise God who calls us to walk with him according to his word. And in so doing, we are to be good citizens. That's how we present our bodies, a living sacrifice. Look with me at 1 Peter 2, 11 to 17. I want you to look at this, at this larger block of thought here. I want you to think through it and read through it with me right now. Let's look at it. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh. He's talking to believers. We're just passing through. We are citizens of heaven. We are sojourners and exiles. He's also writing to Jewish Christians scattered abroad. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What does he warn them then? Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for sin, for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. We have to remember who we represent, and we have to remember how we are called and commanded to represent him. And that's why Paul says, let every person be subject to governing authorities. There is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. This is our call. This is our command. This is how we bear witness to Christ. We are good citizens, which brings us to God's second command on us as Christ followers. The first command is to respect the government, respect the authority, respect those in authority over us. The second one, respect the source of the government's authority. Respect the source of the government's authority. Implicit and explicit in the text we've already read is that God is the source of their authority. Look with me at Romans 13, 1, and then 4 and 5. Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Verse 4, but if you do wrong, be afraid. For he, that's the king, that's the government, does not bear the sword in vain. Some people define government as the right to kill, right? Capital punishment. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of 
conscience, for the sake of your witness, to be right with God and right with your neighbor, you are to be a law-abiding citizen out of reverence to God, out of a love for God. All governments come from God. Ouch. That just doesn't seem to sit right. But we are not to think like the world. We are to be conformed to the thinking of God's word, not to be conformed. All authority exists as part of God's providence and sovereign grace. Common grace has to do with the peripheral and collateral effects of a well-ordered society. And even in some of the worst places in the world, it's still against the law to steal. It's still against the law to murder. And it's still against the law to rape. No government exists apart from God's decree, ordination, or tolerance in bad government. Some degree of civil order. 1 Peter 2, 13 through 14, 17. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors sent by him to punish those who do evil and to the praise of those who do good. Verse 17, honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, revere God, honor God, honor the emperor. Realize that when you disrespect the office, you disrespect God. Whether it's the mayor or the president or the emperor or those sent to execute uh, decisions by them, when we violate the law, when we disrespect those in authority over us, we disrespect God. Daniel 2.21 reminds us it is God who installs and says this in Daniel 2.21. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. This is the sovereignty of God over everything that happens everywhere. God put Nebuchadnezzar in and he used Nebuchadnezzar to judge Israel. There's no person who's in power today who God, his providence and sovereignty, working sometimes through human agency, has not installed power. We have to be very careful in how we act towards the government. Speaking of Daniel, Daniel suffered abuse at the hands of the government. Daniel's friends were thrown into the fire by Nebuchadnezzar. Daniel ends up getting tossed into the lion's den by a later king. And every time you see those three Jewish boys interact with the government, do so respectively. In Daniel, in, da- in Daniel 6, 19 through 22, the king has thrown, has, been, has acted foolishly, and in his ineptitude and stupidity, he's passed a bad law, and the bad law has ended up positioning Daniel to become lion food. And so he can't break his own law, and so Daniel is thrown to the lions, and we have this interaction between them in the aftermath. And I don't know about you, but if somebody tossed me into a lion's den when I came out, I would not be Mr. Happy. And I would not be, oh, hey, you know, no big deal. He's threw me to a bunch of lions. You know, there are better ways to die. But hey, but I want you to look at what Daniel says. Then at the break of the day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. And he came near to the den where Daniel was. And he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, no thanks to you, you idiot. No, he didn't say that. He did not say that, did he? It says in verse 23, listen to Daniel. Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me because I have been found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no harm. There's no shaking your fist at the king. There's no disrespecting the king for his horrendous decision making because Daniel understood this king was put in place by God. God has raised up Christians all over the world everywhere and some of them live in Egypt, some of them live in Russia, some in Venezuela, some in Zimbabwe, some in North Korea. 
And they are to be at peace with all men insofar as it depends on them. And every government protects the populace to some degree. We see this in Romans 12, 5 through 6. For he is a servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. The sake of conscience, the sake of witness, to the sake of our testimony, to the sake of our credibility, to the sake of our serving God rather than our own preferences. We need to remember that Peter and Paul did not vote for Nero. Jesus didn't necessarily, in the normal sense, elect Caesar. They didn't get to pick or choose, and neither do you. We are to respect all levels of civil authority from local governors to the emperor as supreme or to the mayor to the president. Which brings us to the third demand, the third demand that God makes of us, that the scripture here makes of us as citizens, as, as, as people living under the authority of government. And that is number three, like Oratai Sai Singh, like Julian Sandoval, like Alexei, respect the law. Demand number three, respect the law. And that is a tall order if you're like Alexei going, you know, I've already been in prison once, so I have to go back for four or five years? I mean, I'm under the blood now. God has forgiven me. He has, but there are consequences, temporal consequences, even if there are not eternal consequences. And so we read this in Romans 13, five through seven. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Because for of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. You fund them for the common good. Pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom uh, respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. Respect the government. Respect the laws. Respect the laws of the land. That's what we are called to do. That's what nations require of us. We pay taxes, fees. You go to DMV. You watch them try to get around Prop 13. But you, you pay the taxes. We are to respect the offices of elected and appointed officials. We are to obey the law. We don't get to pick and choose. Well, I like this law, so I'm going to obey this one. I don't like this law, so I'm not going to obey that one. We don't get to do that. Do not get to do that. Remember, your Christianity is not contingent upon the performance and the efficiency of government. From taxation to immigration, we are to obey the law because of our witness. That's what Ty thought. That's what Julian thought. And that's what Alexei thought because that's what the Bible teaches. You may say, well, I know somebody or a pastor at this church or somebody over here. And they said, I can do X, Y, and Z. And to that, I invoke the theology of mama. Just because Johnny stuck his head in the fire, does that mean you're going to do the same thing? No. This is what God requires of you. This is why we have our passage in Romans. This is why we have our parallel passage in 1 Peter. And what does it say in that big passage in 1 Peter? Don't use your freedom as an excuse to break the law, to do evil. Don't use your Christianity as an, as, as an excuse to avoid paying your taxes. I had a pastor friend of mine, this couple asked to see him. They said, we'd like to see you in your office. And he thought, oh boy, you know, I, I hope I haven't. He thought about it and he goes, you know, okay. So they sit down before him. He's kind of edgy. He's kind of nervous because he doesn't know what they're going to say to him. And so he goes, what can I do for you? And the husband leans forward and goes, pastor, can you give us a passage that allows us to do our taxes? And, he, and, he, and you have to know this guy because he's, he's got a heavy Southern accent. He goes, say what? No, I can't give you a passage like that. We render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, unto God the things that are God. Matthew 17, Jesus respected national laws, even those of an occupying, conquering government. You know what else he did? He paid the temple tax. 
I mean, the religious leaders tried to impose all these taxes to, to line their pockets. And we read about this in Matthew 17, 24 to 27. Let me just read it for you. This is a bad tax. Are there any good taxes? Well, and it says this, when they came to Capernaum, this is Peter and the disciples and Jesus, the collectors of the two drachma tax went up to Peter and said, does your teacher not pay the tax? He said, yes, he pays the tax. And when he came into the house, Jesus spoke to him first saying, what do you think, Simon? From whom do kings of the earth take toll or tax? From their sons or from others? And when he, Peter, said from others, Jesus said to him, the sons are free, the sons are exempt. However, not to give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook and take the first fish that comes up. And when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel. Take and give it to them for me and for yourself. There it is. Jesus honored the king. He respected every human. Even his dealings with Pontius Pilate, he was considerate. He was cordial. He was polite. He wasn't sarcastic. We do well to follow his example because a student is not above his teacher and a slave, and that's what you and I are, are not above our master, Jesus Christ. And again, this is not contingent upon how we feel about who's in power because Jesus was under Caesar. Paul and Peter are under Caesar, but particularly under Nero, a particularly nasty guy. You don't get, you don't get to choose the country of your birth, and if you immigrate to a country, you don't get to choose what law you want, you want to accept or to break. I'll give you some examples from my own life. I'm opposed to the murder of all unborn children on any and all circumstances. And yet, federal tax dollars go to funding criminal institutions like Planned Parenthood, but I still pay taxes. The Jews didn't like to give money to pay for troops that were occupying their own country. But Jesus said, render unto Caesar things that are... Some people don't believe in the right to bear arms, but it's the law of the land. And if you want to change that law, then you have to work through a system, whether you're changing tax law, immigration law, or trying to change your second amendment. This is a touchy subject, I get it. But God's word does not give us a pass. It does not give us the liberty to ignore what he has instituted, what he has ordained. And so we come to demand number four. Demand number four. Respect the consequences of your disobedience. Respect the consequences of your disobedience. Now let's catch our breath for a moment. I said a moment ago, don't say that Pastor Keith said we should be good Nazis and carry out every command of the government no matter what that command is. I didn't say that. They tried that in Germany. Didn't work too well. They tried it in East Germany under socialism. Didn't work that too well. The premier, Eric Honecker, had to go flee to Russia to escape arrest after the wall came down. But you have to think about what you believe and what the word of God says. And if you choose to break the law... If you do the crime, you're going to do time. Do not whine or complain about it. There comes a point where you can't go any further. You know, when the, when the Nazis occupied Paris, there was a movie called Bon Voyage La Enfance. If I said that right, Le Enfance. It was about how the Vichy rounded up all the Jewish babies in hospitals and just shipped them off to the Nazis. They didn't have to do that. They did not have to do that. They shouldn't have done that. When you look at the midwives in the book of Exodus, they did not throw, they did not kill the Jewish baby boys as they were born. There is a point, there is a time and a place for civil disobedience. And there's no question about that. There are some laws we cannot obey. But when you ignore the law, expect to do, expect to experience the sanction. 
I mean, I want to be clear. Christians don't overthrow governments. They don't foment violent revolution. We are to show ourselves, it says in Titus 7 and 8, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works and in your teaching show integrity and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned so that the opponent may be put to shame having nothing evil to say about us. We're not to act viscerally, stupidly, and, and, then, and then give people a reason to say all Christians are crazy. But there is a time and a place to say, I go this far and I can go no further. But when you do that, and when you do that, wherever it is, respect the consequences of obedience. Romans 13, 2 through 6. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror for, to, to good conduct, but to bad. Would you, have, would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive an approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to very... The government has the ability and the right to punish those who break the law. Some of those people are evildoers. Some of those people are those who refuse to turn Jewish babies over to Nazis. Some of those are like midwives in Egypt who refused to put, to put these babies, boys to death when they were born. Your example is Jesus Christ, who when he was persecuted, when he, he uttered no threats, when he reviled, he did not revile in return, but he kept on entrusting himself to the one who judges righteous. Even in the midst of a kangaroo court, persecuted, Jesus uttered no threats. He did not threaten, he did not curse. And we are called for this very purpose to follow in steps. And if a pagan like Gandhi can do it, if Malcolm X could do it, we can do it. You, me, we don't have a choice as a Christian but to conduct ourselves and govern ourselves accordingly. We don't have a choice as a citizen or or a resident not to pay taxes. We don't have a choice about treating people the way we want to be treated. We're called to do that. We're called to follow in Jesus' steps like Tai Sai Singh, like Julian Sandoval, like Alexi. We are called to present our bodies a living sacrifice. That's what we're called to. And so we cannot blame, we cannot blame our Christianity for our discipline. You cannot do that. So, just to review, number one, respect the government's authority. Number two, respect the source of the government's authority. Number three, respect the law. And number four, respect the consequences if you're disobedient. If you break the law, you will be punished. It's okay to pray in front of an abortion clinic, but you can't put hands on people going in. Can't do it. But if you do, and they come and put those stainless steel handcuffs on you, you go quietly. That's what we do. So how do we apply all of this? I just want to give you some very simple ideas for application. Number one, rethink your mindset about the government in connection with the passage that you just read. Rethink your mindset and and conduct in connection with the government and authority in general. The gospel of your salvation demands that you respect the government, that you speak respectfully, that you not obey passionate lusts, that you follow in Christ's steps. Therefore, accede to its demands. Obey the law like Ty, like Julian, like Alexi, submitting your bodies as a living sacrifice. You never know where God is going to take you and how he's going. And number three, realign, realign your reactions to become responses to God. Not emotional, knee-jerk responses, but thoughtful, careful responses, driven not by ideology, but by the word of God. Think, pray, and live as a Christian. And remember, people are watching your faith. Therefore, 
This is part of giving your bodies a living sacrifice. This is part of serving God. This is worship. And worship is all that we say, even how we speak of, react to, respond to the government laws. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word here. It is challenging, Lord. It is hard, Father, because there's so much injustice in the world. And as, as Solomon prayed in Ecclesiastes, he was a king and even he couldn't make the oppressors stop oppressing. And Lord, yet sometimes the government is our oppressor, our persecutor. Help us, therefore, as those with changed eternities, with changed hearts, with changed minds, with changed lives, to live out our faith in a way that pleases you, that blesses others, Lord, that grows us and that bears witness to the reality and the power of Christ under the most difficult of circumstances. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Keith Crosby on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening. Amen.